Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. I'm Arturo Freeman, former NFL player, defensive back, and I listen to the Fantasy Gesture. Like I said, it's been an interesting start to everything, so uh, I hope we just made it better, and uh, definitely working on it. Like I said, it was an interesting start to everything. I think we got a fix now. Yeah, I'm getting a thumbs up over here on my side. I think we're thumbs up on the other side, uh, and uh, we're back at it. Baseball, football, and sharks? Sharks? Are you kidding me? What's up with that, too? Um, just an amazing, amazing week of sports and diving. And I'll tell you, folks, it is getting interesting around here. Baseball, the trade deadline, come on. Tomorrow, you're going to see some moves. Sonny Gray already pulled uh, from his start. A lot of talk with the Yankees, uh, something that... JT must really be loving the idea that not only is Oakland using a top, losing a top-flight pitcher, but he's going to his favorite team, the Yankees. So uh, we'll talk to him about that, obviously. Football, all camps are open. All camps are open. <laughs> it is that time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those of you who have been waiting and wondering and when is it going to start. Here we are. Here we are. It's time. How does your team look? How does your actual team look? How are your fantasy teams shaping up? 
Have you been mock drafting? Are you, have you gotten in any redrafts? Dynasty leagues? What kind of drafts are you doing? We're going to give you advice that covers all different kinds of drafts, all kinds of formats. Tonight we'll be talking about football and the camps are open. and The Sharks? You know, just the Shark Challenge, uh, the first part of it's gone down, and uh, we'll be reporting in about that and what happened this week with Ryan Walton. And uh, if we have time, we're going to try and get to some WWE talk. And again, uh, if that's if time permits, uh, WWE, maybe some FXE. Been a lot of questions about what's going on in October. And uh, the bigger it gets, the bigger it gets, um, the more it is taking each and every minute of our day uh, to put this together. It's really going to be uh, phenomenal. And uh, we're, as soon as I think we're allowed to start really talking about it, uh, we've got a couple more weeks. The main sponsor uh, is going to be nailed down. We'll talk about that. We'll get into all that later anyway. But yes, later on. Later on when my cohort, co-host, no, cohort's probably a little bit better, JT, Jason Townsend will be joining us. And... Uh, we talking to him, like I said, I, I want to find out. I've got a couple of questions about different things, uh, and, and not just about what I've talked about as far as baseball, football. Uh, does he think McGregor has a chance against Mayweather? I see the, uh, the reason why I, I was going through the sports page today. I see the tickets are slow, and that's kind of my rant. It, it really, it really is. Um, I, I all this hype, all this hype for a freak match. That's all it is. It, it, it's a freak match. It is akin to saying, well, you know, all because LeBron James is good in basketball, I'm going to put him against the top hockey player. It just doesn't make sense, or against the top football. Or, or put a football player in baseball and expect it, – it, it just it, – this is the silliest thing. And I'm actually glad to see the ticket sales reflect the farce that this match is. If, if it goes more than two, three rounds – if it goes more than three rounds, okay, Mayweather was carrying them. Uh, there's just – there's no competition here. It is you're putting somebody who has been trained in a different sport to go against a I, – I listen, whether you like Mayweather or not, I really don't care. I really don't care. He's a world-class athlete in his sport. Trained since he's a in life, the same sport, and McGregor's going to walk in there and get his ass kicked, and I couldn't be happier, happier that the ticket sales reflect this, absolutely ridiculous, it's a waste of, you know, if you're a sports lover, you're just a sports lover, it doesn't matter what the sport is, you know, you've got people like JT, myself, and a whole bunch of you out there. 
I know you're out there. You're sports junkies. It doesn't matter what the sport is. And you take a look at this Mayweather McGregor. You'd love to have a great match. You, you, you're looking for that match. Listen, both sports, both sports, in my opinion, show the desperation that they have for the attention for the sport by putting this even out there. Boxing, boxing needs a real good match and a shot to the arm and a champion. Dare I say, like Tyson. Somebody that just comes in and dominates, rocks people's worlds. That's what you need. MMA, MMA has its own nice little niche. It really does. It's, uh, you know, it's a good underground uh, kind of feel to it. You know, I always thought that it was a very fight clubby feeling and it appealed to the underground so much like hockey, it'll never be mainstream. So, but boxing, there's that tradition there. And I think boxing thought that maybe this would help uh, bring some attention to the sport. No. No, it's making a joke of the sport. And uh, I, I wish somebody like the uh, Tysons would come back in the world. Question when JT comes on, I want to ask him, speaking of Tyson, too, I don't know why. I'm in this boxing MMA thing today, uh, I, I guess because it, it, it just um, – I, I, I've been getting it rammed down my head that I have a friend of mine saying that there's no way Mayweather wins, McGregor's going to kick his ass. And it's just been bugging me all day about it. And then I read about the ticket sales, so it has me on this whole boxing Boxing MMA rant. But it also, in that conversation that I had with them today, was who would win this fight? And sports fans, I know this is off the fantasy topic. I really don't care. It's my show. I can do whatever the hell I want. Um, it is real simple. Who wins this fight? Mike Tyson versus Muhammad Ali. That's one for you boxing fans out there. We'll get to that and much more. But now, as always, at this time of the day, on Saturdays, every Saturday, here on the Fantasy Justice Show, brought to you by FantasyJusticeSports.com and Blog Talk Radio, you know I'm getting ready to bring him in. Some of you know him as Fez, F-E-Z, 437 on Twitter. Some of you know him as JT. Some of you know him as Jason Townsend. I know him as a swift pain in my – a great friend of mine. I bring him in from Texas tonight, Jason Townsend. JT, how are you, man? I'm doing great, Base and sharks. So, of course, we're talking about boxing. Why would we be? Um, 105 degrees today. Nice, cool evening. And let, let's be real. For you to even bring Mike Tyson up as one of the great fighters to put him in against Muhammad Ali – it sounds like we need to talk about baseball, football, and sharks because Tyson wouldn't last two rounds with Muhammad Ali. It wouldn't even happen. You're out of your gourd. Come on, You're out Tyson of your gourd. One of the things Tyson was, one of the things Tyson putt. was, was a defensive specialist. Watch how many punches he ducks and slips. He was just Muhammad as elusive Ali. as Ali with more power. If Ali left. One round. If Ali makes it past the first round, fight's over. 
Tyson's yeah. nothing. He got his ass handed to him by James Buster Douglas, who was an absolute joke. For a I was motivated so that night. I would have beat down the world. Listen, what would, who would you have to have put in front of you? Now, you're a, let's say you're a trained boxer. Okay, which he was. I mean, Buster Douglas wasn't a great boxer, but nonetheless still a trained-in-his-sport boxer. On the night he lost his mother, I'd be ready to tear apart Patton's Third Army by myself on the night my mother passes. And as far as boxing, though, let's be real. Let's be realistic. Boxing was big in the 60s, the 70s, 80s. You had Tyson. 90s Holyfield, right. 2000s Lennox Lewis, Lennox Lewis gone. Mm-hmm. Boxing is, is dead. It's a dead sport. Why, though? Because you don't have anybody slapping the whole world around. Right. Klitschko just isn't the kind of guy that people are going to pay to see, either one of them. But let's right. be realistic about this. Mayweather, we've seen this shtick before. He's done it himself. Oh, I'm Floyd Mayweather 10 years ago. Let me go fight the big show at WrestleMania. So what did big show do? Carry him at WrestleMania then take one on the chin from a guy that's six and a half feet shorter than he is uh, and knocked him out at WrestleMania. So boxing is a joke, man. Um, I mean, if you're talking a straight fight and we're talking a real fight, not a, you know, promoter's uh, wet dream like this is not turning out to be, Mayweather should beat the guy in a straight fight. I'm saying in under three rounds, right? Well, Do you think he makes three rounds? Does he make an Olympic fight? I think it depends. I think it depends on the buy-ins. I think if you see a lot of buy-ins, I think maybe, uh, you know, to me it's all fixed anyway. It's WWE in a boxing ring. Okay. I think it's the okay. most unlegitimized sport in the world, boxing these days. You know, it depends on how the betting goes. Look at Vegas. That's going to tell you how this fight's going to go. <laughs> Look at the betting line. So you believe that this is a pre there'll be a predetermined outcome. Absolutely I do. Okay. I do too. <laughs> but I think that <laughs> predetermined outcome is gonna be Mayweather. I'm sorry, I just don't think that there's any way. I think what's what they're gonna hope for is uh uh the, to work with the rounds in what round. Well, it just That's depends you, if they have. Try to make them it just it just depends if you have that one fat guy that was at uh, WrestleMania when Undertaker got pinned, and WWE showed him about a million times with the space when Undertaker got pinned at WrestleMania. You know, maybe Mayweather loses his streak. You know, who knows? <laughs> anyway, getting to uh, let's get to what we're here for: baseball, football, and sharks. Um, oh. Well, yeah, before you start that, I, I got to throw one thing at you. One thing. Oh, so holy cow. I just wonder, I just wondered if you enjoyed uh, today yet another Dallas Cowboy defensive lineman suspended. Man, it doesn't pay to be a Dallas Cowboy defensive lineman because that's a kiss of death. It really is. You know, what is it? I don't, I don't know. You know, I sit there and I watch. I, I have to be honest with you. Um, I saw a figure today that the Dallas Cowboys right now are worth $4.2 billion. I guess uh, if you are America's hyped team, that's how you become worth that. 
I wonder if that stadium's included in that price. Yeah, it's got to be because, I mean, I've never seen a team. And this isn't... This has nothing to do with being a Giants fan, folks. I swear. I have a bunch of Dallas Dallas fan friends. Okay, and, and I'm sorry. I the team hasn't been rele, relevant in 20 years, practically. 20 years since they've won something, and, and you hear about them day in, day out on ESPN, CBS, Fox. NFL Network, they are the most covered team everywhere, on social media, everywhere. I swear, they are the America's most hyped team. I don't know if they're America's football team, but Jesus. If anybody right now is the new America's team, as much as it makes me want to vomit in my mouth, it's the Patriots. That's I don't a team that everybody that. loves disgusting. to love. You are either a Patriots fan or you hate their guts. Deep. They are now the newest polarizing team in the NFL, I believe. Hmm. No? I really wish I could find a way to disagree with you on that, but you can't. You really can't. No, it kills me to say it. I hate them. Uh, Listen, put me there with the haters, guys, but it's the truth. I mean, and then you look at last year's team, and now let me ask you something. Don't you believe that with some of these moves, they've gotten actually better during this offseason? I would give you some of them. I am not a big believer in the Brandon Cooks trade as being this – Great answer at wide receiver, especially not in the fantasy realm since we're talking fantasy tonight. Um, Cooks and Brady, though, already hooking up. Cooks uh, just hooked up for are. a 50-yarder. Yeah. Of course. It's, say, a seven-on-seven drills. So I could hook up with Cooks for a 50-yarder right now. I mean, it's, uh, it's, okay. it's Brandon Cooks. I'm going to tell you right now, Brandon Cooks is at best, at best, the third target on that team. Edelman will still be the number one target. Gronk, when he's in there, will still be a target above him. And I think those backs out of the backfield will still be a target above him. That's Brady's game. Hmm. I don't know. And Brady I, hasn't I had somebody him. that he could go to consistently. Edelman? He's not a consistent receiver? No, I mean deep. I'm sorry. I should I should have clarified that. Sorry. Um, oh. Somebody consistently deep. Well, we'll see how we'll see how open Mr. Cooks gets uh, when he's not living inside and playing in the nice weather in the nice indoor arenas of the NFC South. You know, in the winter when he's playing in <laughs> Buffalo, when he's playing with the against the Jets or at home against New England or in New England, we'll see how well he does at that point. Uh, you know, with getting deep. But uh, I know you wanted to start off with baseball there, and I feel football went at you, so uh, I'm ready. Oh, to uh, yeah, no, that's fine. Well, uh, let's stay there for one second. The other thing I've been hearing about is that Chris Hogan's doing well for them. Oh, 7-Eleven. Uh, the Dolphins should never ever let this kid go. Call him 7-Eleven because he's always open. True story. The guy's Did you like him? Open. Yeah, Look you liked him when he was with you guys? I liked him a lot. Well, I liked him a lot. And, of course, Mr. Magoo, Joe Philbin, was too blind to see anything in the kid. Uh, so, absolutely, we cut him. Let's, you know, let's let him go. 
true story. Watch the movie Mr. Magoo with Leslie Nielsen, and I dare you to tell me that that's not Joe Philbin. They have I'll tell you what, four backs. Lester, well, let's stay in New England. Let's stay in New England. I want to have some fun here. While we're here, let's, let's just air New England completely out. Okay, we already know everybody would take Brady, okay, in the draft and all that. Um, let me ask you something. Of the of – the, they've got a four-headed monster. If you pick up a running back for New England, Deion Lewis – James White, Rex Burkhead, Mike Gillisley. Mm. Easy one. Do you even t- – I mean, what do you do with that? Uh, I mean, you still look at LeGarrette Blunt's numbers. The guy was a running back two. I mean, if you look at most fantasy scoring last year, high running back two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Gillisley can fill that role and then some. I think White will still be your receiving back. Deion Lewis, if, if somebody looks at the guy wrong, he's out for four weeks with an injury. So I don't. I won't even pay attention to him in any fantasy draft. Uh, and Rex Burkhead, you're talking about a guy that's more of a Heath Evans type when Heath Evans played there. You know, a little bit of a lead blocker, mm-hmm. a little bit of a short yardage goal line guy. I just don't see him being a guy that that you take in drafts. So to me, it's between White and Gillisley are the two guys I would look at. If you've got Gronk, uh, I don't on any of my teams, but if you I have won't. Gronk, are, are you going out and uh, cuffing Allen? Oh, that is a must. I mean, show me a season where Gronk plays every single game. At this well, point, I think that's a, good, that's a good backup, though. I mean, in other words, Brian, my point in that was is that if you have Gronk, do you get somebody else completely different, or do you get the next man up on that team because – Brady's going to use that tight end well, position. Allen is capable. Is, he's very capable, but this is where you play draft strategy. If we go with your first choice and you get Gronk, then you go with a you know a Martellus Bennett, Julius Thomas, whatever. You, you're going to have to spend a higher pick. But once you've got Gronk, most people aren't going to take Dwayne Allen in the draft because they don't have Gronk right. and they don't want to sit around and wait. So you can take Dwayne Allen later on in the draft. Exactly, as an afterthought. All right, I think we exhausted New England pretty much. Oh, I would I would say so. So the one name that we didn't mention that I think more people right. need to keep an eye on is uh, Malcolm Mitchell. You got a guy that came on strong at the end of the year, and uh, a guy that I still still think will have something to say in that New England offense. Talented young kid. I just don't know if they're going to use him now. I I mean, I, I'm. It's going to be interesting. I mean, they've got a nice four-wide set. But they've got Edelman listed at slot, and they've got Mitchell at slot. They've got Hogan and Cook starting. I'm sorry? Where does Amendola fit in all this? He's Hogan's backup. On the left side. Pretty deep. Right side. They got Cooks on the right, Hogan on the left, and Amendola is his backup, uh, Hogan's backup. So that's a really good roster. We'll see how New England's defense goes this year. They can obviously score with the best of them. Uh, Right, Atlanta? I think think one of the things that we're pointing out, and I'm looking at it now, though, is the depth at the skill position. Mm -hmm for the New England Patriots is 
absolutely beautiful. Well, he, I mean, they, they are position. just fantastically built there at the skill position to stay with weapon after weapon. You could go too deep. You literally could lose your first two players. You could lose Edelman and Hogan, and you're filling in with Malcolm Mitchell and Danny Amendola to still go with Brandon Cooks. You could lose Dion Lewis and James White. You're still going to have Burkhead and Gillisley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty deep. I mean, they are the champs for a reason. <laughs> oh, Lord, I hate them. Anyway, you want to stay on football while we're here? Oh, uh, we can stay football. We can do whatever you like. I'm in a fantasy mood, so bring it. Keekly, Luke Keekly, any, mm-hmm. any, any value? Is he going to play? Oh, he's definitely, I think, going to play. Um, I think, uh, you know, the guy plays, he's 10 to 13 tackles. You look at what he does. He's a great player. Uh, I think he was rushed back last year after the concussion. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think they paid attention to protocol. And for all of you out there that are naive enough to think because the NFL says they pay attention to protocol, yeah, they, they don't pay attention to shit. Um, these guys, these guys pay these players. They do what they want to do with these players because they use the whole, oh, you're going to be a man and go out there and be tough, or are you going to sit here and whine about a headache? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think that's what Keekly did. I think Keekly went out there, tried to be tough, and further injured himself. But I think you look at a guy that's got a clean bill of health and still, in my opinion, the best middle linebacker in the game. You know, let, let's let's come back. Uh, let's go over to uh, Baltimore for a second. I, I want to ask you something. It was interesting. Um, staying on the East Coast for a little bit, and then we'll get to some West Coast talk. The Baltimore Ravens are an interesting bunch these days, getting a lot of attention because uh, for different reasons, whether it's uh, right. suspensions or uh, now with Flacco hurt and the possible signing of Kaepernick. And, you know, it's funny. I heard somebody on uh, the NFL Network say today, Kaepernick would be happy being a Raven. Let's be honest. At this point, I think he'd be happy anywhere. Absolutely. I I really do. It's a true story. And, uh, you know, folks, listen, I hear all the whining, and please stop whining about Kaepernick. You know, it's a little less about the black uh, or the injustices and all that. Maybe it's more about the flag and, you know, people feeling that you should respect it just simply for those who died for it. You know, I understand and I, I've backed him on the idea he exercised his freedom of speech and he has that right. But it's, you know what, it's the NFL owner's right to exercise their own by not wanting him. Now, he's well, going to be fortunate. What? Why, but why does it have to be about black or the flag or any of that? How about the fact that he just plain sucks? The guy had one or two really good years. Defenses changed and learned how to play him, learned his tendencies, shut his ass down. How about he's just not that damn good? No, because you can play. see a guy like McCown go get signed, and and, and he's god awful. He's even worse. McCown, this guy's out of getting signed. That'll no, 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 no. McCown's a guy that can actually. Now, granted, yes, he gets hurt, whatever. But you look at his look at his what two three years ago in Chicago when he went 
uh, came in for Jay Cutler. Now, granted, I would look good coming in after Jay Cutler, but let's be real. The guy came in. He led Tressman's offense just fine. He's a guy that is still a student of the game, studies the playbook, does what's told of him. Kaepernick's too much of a guy that wants to improvise, wants to do it his way. He's a system quarterback who has to be in the right system to succeed. And I think they went and signed a arena league quarterback, actually, over him. It's just like RG3. Same thing. San Diego worked him out. Next thing you know, they trade for Cardale Jones. What does that tell you about Robert Griffin? Because both guys are right. back, so you can't play that card. So, right. I mean, exactly. some guys just don't have it. I think Kaepernick's one of them. Well, and you know what? Um, it, it really – but again, yeah, no, like I said, as far as that's all concerned, it can be about his play, which isn't the best, okay? And it can be for because people don't like that he kneeled during the national anthem. It can be that simple. Maybe there are people who are offended by that, and that's okay too. Much like his kneeling is okay, Guess what? It's also okay for those who are offended to be offended. When you're offended, you don't have to apologize for your feelings. They're your feelings. So maybe there are actual people in the NFL who are genuinely offended and don't want them on their team. Just like he he was allowed to kneel, they're allowed to Uh do the same thing. He's going to get a job. No, he's going to end up in Baltimore. I, I can promise you that. He, 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 well, he's, he's going to end up in Baltimore because uh, Millette has looked god-awful. Oh, Ryan Mallett has been awful since Arkansas. Uh, right. Plain and simple. But uh, here, here's a thought for you. So what is your opinion on the story that came out this past week that the NFL lost ratings because people were tired of hearing about people being offended, and people kneeling. Uh, I'm one of them. People get offended if uh, the wind blows a certain direction. Get over yourself. Yes. If you don't like it, don't watch it. And a lot of people did not watch NFL when this was a big story. So maybe maybe not that many people care as much as someone want us to believe. Your thoughts? You know, when people tune into sports, now, that's a good question, JT. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because people tune into sports to escape the drama in their life. Absolutely. So they're not looking for drama. They're looking for fun. They're looking for enjoyment. They're looking to place themselves in that situation because they were weekend warriors or they put themselves in there in that situation because they're young kids dreaming. Mm-hmm. People don't tune in to have all listen, the last thing we need in our in our entertainment is to bring in the political mess that is right now anyway. People feel so strongly left, right, all this stuff that, you know, there is enough going on in the news and the social media for everybody to address all their issues about what's wrong with this country and leave it out of the entertainment field. 
It's the same thing. You notice people are getting tired of all these actors talking all the politics. Just go act. Really, we, we, we don't, most people are getting upset because they don't want to hear from their actors about political things. They want their actors to act. And I think the same thing is being said in this. This is entertainment. This is a great question. I just, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, you have the people who, for me, sports is, is life, but it's also an escape. Like you said, all the crap going out there with politics. I tune in sports to watch sports. Uh, some for the violence, boxing, hockey, you name it. I love hockey because it's the one sport that it's like violent, but it's graceful at the same time. You know, you don't want to hear about politics, people kneeling for this, people believe that. So, uh, I don't know. For me, Kaepernick. Does he probably end up with no, another Harbaugh? Uh, like most yeah. times, you're probably going to be right on that. But uh, is he worth it? No. Who would you rather have, Griffin or Kaepernick? Um, guess what? I would rather have Kaepernick just because just I know he, he's at least durable. That he is, yeah. I got to the beating. You know what I'm saying? I mean, RG3 might be more talented, but you have to be on the field uh, as one of your talents. Okay. So so then we're in Baltimore. Yes. You know, we're in Baltimore right now. Let's look at it this way. Where do you where do you where do you draft a Joe Flacco, and what Baltimore receiver is your first pick if you're taking a Baltimore receiver? Well, I mean, Wallace pretty much has been calling for it. And then you got Perriman and Macklin. Um, I, uh, wow. Well, okay, so who's my quarterback? Which well, when are you taking is, is it going to be Flacco or is it going to be Kaepernick? What are we talking about here? If it's Joe Flacco, when do you take him in the draft? Standard scoring, you know, when's the type, when's the, around the rounds, you see Joe Flacco being uh, the right pick at that time. He's got yeah, I remember Flacco. It, Flacco's got a stigma about him, and now especially with a bad back, not the way you want to go into the season. So, I mean, his draft stock is just falling through the basement at this point mm-hmm. because – you're already picking him in most drafts. You're picking him somewhere uh, after the eighth round. And now that just, it's cemented. I mean, you're not looking at him until round 10, 11 at least now. Okay. If at all. If it, at exactly, all. if at all. I want to see him play. But you see, that's what I'm saying. Back injuries, we've seen it with Gronk. The NFL, listen, you can go ahead and have a knee injury and get back and play on the field and have less chance of problems with a knee injury than you can with a back injury. The back is a special injury to have. It ruins football careers. Ruins them. And, and, and ask Gronk coming off. He's, he's getting ready to play after three surgeries, 
in almost as many years. Mm-hmm. It doesn't the back the back is one of those injuries that never gets better. It'll always be bad now. He'll always have a bad back now the rest of his life, this kid. Yeah, I agree with that. And your your surgeries, when you have back surgeries, okay, picture, if, if someone pictures your, your spine, folks, okay, picture your spine and pick any spot on that spine, I'll tell you what, let's start right smack in the middle of the back. And let's say that's where your weakness is. Now, please understand that that weakness will always be weak, and as they repair around it, either up or down or both ways, the weakness will spread. The weakness goes down or up depending on the vertebrae around it and the alignment of the vertebrae and the spacing of the vertebrae. So once you have one central location, you're constantly building onto that location. So if you have one vertebrae that's bad, it becomes two. Two become three, three become four, four become five, and it's a chain reaction for the rest of your life. Now, how that affects Joe Flacco's career moving forward, he has a, we're at a point now he's got a bad back, and we're not at the difficult part of the, uh, of the season. You've got to be wearing a red me. jersey at this point. Yeah, and he's having problems. What's going to happen after he takes, let's say he gets in there one week and takes a full week's worth of hits. How many weeks do you think he's going to take of that? If you draft Joe Flacco now, you're crazy. I That's agree. So that, that, is, that is your roll of the dice. God, I am reaching. Okay, but remember this, folks. As you're also reaching... Understand that he's not getting work, again, with Perriman, who lost time on his own, okay? Now you got a new receiver in Macklin, not getting the timing with him. Uh, you know, it's just, it, it's a, it's not good. It, it's not good if so, you're Baltimore. Let's put it that way. So, and if you're looking on the fantasy side of things, so you, let's just say it is yeah. Kaepernick that's in there, okay? So, can, for me, for example that drops a guy like Terrence West down a couple tiers. I look at him as a mid to low running back two at this point. Um, Macklin, I see him as, again, a mid you know, wide receiver two. Perryman, I don't trust in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I've not seen anything from him yet. And then you look at the tight end position, uh, I believe it's going to be Max Williams, the kid they drafted a couple years ago is what they were talking like. They thought Max Williams would be a guy. Another guy that's very uh, inexperienced. So Ravens' offensive weapon skill positions are very risky at this point going forward. It is, uh, yeah, it's just not a good team to have because of the uh, the quarterback situation right off the bat. I mean, um, and it's tough because you're looking at a team that's going to be on defense, uh, I, that's my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure uh, Suggs would disagree with me, but um, <laughs> they're going to be they're going to be middle of the pack, in my opinion, at best. 
And so if that's the case, you're going to find yourself having to throw a lot. And if you are are either depending on a Flacco who isn't getting reps or even worse, a Colin Kaepernick who will be coming into camp and it'll be interesting. When they get him, understand he's going to have to learn the offense, learn his the players, learn adjustments, and deal with the constant press questions. Yeah, and, the distraction and, and all the that. players around him are going to have to deal with that as well. Right. Yeah. You know, so what, it's what, uh, yeah. How, how did you feel topic. about him kneeling? Blah blah blah. I will say though, I still love me some Justin Tucker though. Oh yeah, he's going to be great for the team this year. Best kicker in football. But I think I think re- realistically, um, it's a team just to stay away from at, at all positions. Honestly, mm-hmm. I you look at Mac. Okay. And then who do you pick out of this three? Mac Lynn, Wallace, and Perriman. Who's going to step up to be the number one? Could it be Perriman? Yeah, it could be. Could he stay healthy? Maybe. Mac Lynn, which Mac Lynn are we getting? It depends from season to season, it seems like. Same with Wallace. I'm not touching any. Big question mark. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm not touching any of them. I have no interest in any of their skill positions. Terrence West would be the only one at this point that I'd look at. Let me ask you something. I want to move out. There's something that's been uh, that's on my head and moving out west, okay? And, and taking a look at taking a look at the Chargers, okay? You know, we we touched briefly uh, last week, I believe it was on Hunter Henry and all that, but you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, what happens if Williams and Allen get hurt? I mean, you know, you're dealing with the guys that uh, Williams is already having problems. Again, a back problem, right? Isn't it with back with Williams too? Yes. Yep. Back. Yep. Back. And then Keenan Allen, who just struggles to stay on the field, leaving you Travis Benjamin. Oh, they Which, again, oh, I mean, Philip Rivers is a, at least the kind of quarterback that can make even guys that are probably third, fourth, fifth on the depth chart at least somewhat relevant. Uh, Melvin Gordon's a great receiver out of the backfield. Uh, Hunter Henry, you know, I think he's going to see just that many more targets. So, I mean, San Diego's been able to kind of patch it together here or there, but uh, I don't see if if, if – Huge if Keenan Allen can stay on the field, I can see them challenging for that last wild card spot. But otherwise, I still yeah. think San Diego, or sorry, Los Angeles Chargers are in a lot of trouble. <laughs> uh, staying out west, you know, a lot of people know about what's up. You know, I mean, David Johnson, dual threat, running, catching the ball, and all that. He's an amazing guy. Right? Barry Fitzgerald getting old. John Brown, fifty. I mean, he he fifty fifty. If he makes all the games, with his sickle cell. There's a team. There's a team that's struggling at the wide receiver position. Just terrible. There's nothing. Well, let's be. Let's be real. They're struggling at the quarterback position. I mean, Carson Palmer's, you know, not a picture of durability in any way, shape, or form either. So. 
I mean, offensively. The, the good thing for them, though, is you've got the kid uh, out of Florida that they uh, that they had last year. Name slipping my uh, Nelson. Is it JJ Nelson? Oh yeah, JJ Nelson. I mean, kid Pass. showed some stuff last. Yeah, kid showed some mm-hmm. stuff last year. Showed he had some ability. David Johnson will catch eighty to hundred balls. Uh, so I mean, you can get some of that out of him. Uh, the tight end position, I believe, is still Jermaine Gresham, who's long beyond uh, relevance in fantasy or NFL, in my opinion. Uh, but luckily right, for them, right. they're they're one of those teams that have a top flight defense. They have some great players on defense, which will keep them engaged. One of the guys that are on there, and he's buried right now on the depth chart. I, I think he's having a little bit of problem picking up the uh, playbook early. Their third-round uh, pick, Chad Williams. How do you like him? Mm-hmm. Haven't seen enough to really decide one way or the other, but if you are still having trouble picking up Bruce Arians' playbook, you're probably not going to see a whole lot of time in the preseason. Arians is a real stickler about that, so I think it's one of those guys that maybe you take as a late flyer and hope after you know, week three, four, uh, he's a guy that can get into the I'll tell you, it's coming. I am. I just. I gotta be honest with you, JT. It's a. It's that wonderful. For my sleepers, too early yet. Not yet. I figured I'd try. Nice try. Nice try. Hey, listen. We we were talking sleeper uh, before we came on. Why don't you you want to talk about that one or no? (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, you look at a guy like Bilal Powell. Out. I've already got him picked up. I don't care. Yeah, I've already got him in both leagues. I'm safe. Uh, Bilal Powell, a guy that, if you look at his numbers last year at the end of the season when he had five starts, the third most productive running back in the NFL. Guy that catches the ball uh, just as well as he runs the ball. And a guy that's going to get a mountain of opportunities because, let's be realistic, Matt Forte is way past his prime. Uh, and the Jets really don't have much of a passing game to speak of. When Quincy and Nunwa, he's a good, solid receiver, but he's not a number one. Well, he is in New York. Uh, when Quincy and Nunwa is your number one receiver, I think the backside of the backfield are going to get a lot of balls put their way. See, and I think, I think if you're going to go sleep, I think the Jets, the, yeah, I think you got one there. But I think Nunwa is one of the sleepers. Yeah, he I is their number one. He is their number one. But we saw a guy last year that struggled with the number two and number three corner. What are you going to do now when you have the number one corner on you? What are you going to do when there's nobody else to throw to? Isn't 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 your former coach Philbin one of their other wide receivers now? I mean, they've got nobody. (laughs) This is easy though. You throw to the running backs out of the backfield. Austin Safarian Jenkins looks like he finally decided to take the NFL seriously. Lost a bunch of weight, worked hard this offseason. He is suspended for the first two weeks, but I think he makes a nice big target in the middle of the field. But let's be real. You put your GoPro that you use for your fish shark, you know, your shark adventures, you put that on Josh McCown's shoulder, you're going to get a view of the sky a lot because that dude's going to be on his back an awful lot. Gotcha. Uh, I don't know. I just – poor Jets. Poor Jet fans. And it was funny today. I they deserve oh, it. Son of a gun. 
Who was it? And it was a pretty big name. Son of a gun. I was. I had the NFL Network on in the background as I was working today. And, oh, son of a gun. Who said it? Somebody talking up Hackenberg, saying this guy oh, still could be. They were asked. They were asked if the quarterback of the future is on the Jet roster now, or he's yet to come in next year's draft. And the guy said he's on the roster now. It's Hackenberg. Wow. Right, am I the only one feeling he's drunk, or do you like Hackenberg? I like Hackenberg if, if Bill O'Brien is the coach of the Jets next year because you look at Hackenberg at Penn State, he had one legitimate season. Bill O'Brien was his head coach. So, right, no, no, Hackenberg's not the answer there. And the Jets, yeah, the Jets fans are in for a rough year. When aren't the Jets fans in for a rough year? This is old hat. They're used to it. <laughs> hey, here's one you. for you. Well, here's, here's one ahead, for you. Go ahead. Let's go to your uh, let's go to your division, the NFC East. Let's go. Hearing a lot, a lot of good stuff about Carson Wentz with his new targets in Philadelphia. Uh, Wentz looked good as a rookie without anyone to throw to, but now you throw at Torrey Smith, who's extremely underrated in my opinion, and Alshon Jeffrey, a nice big target, and it kicks a guy like Matthews into the slot where I think he can excel, and then Zach Ertz out of the tight end position. What do you think of Carson Wentz this season? Uh, as I, as you very well know, I had a problem deciding between Wentz and uh, mm-hmm. Prescott in a dynasty league. And I, I have to say early reports of what I'm finding out is that, yeah, not just Alshon Jeffrey. Everybody thought that, yeah, Alshon Jeffrey's going to be the guy. But you mentioned the already. Torrey Smith is making an early, early impressions in, in that Eagles camp. And, uh, Carson Wentz looks absolutely phenomenal uh, right out of the gate. Yeah, well, he's a kid that stu- he stayed, he studied his ass off yes. this whole offseason, folks. It is well documented. This kid has put in the work. And I think the best thing that happens to this offense is what happens now with Jordan Matthews. You take him out of the outside, you line him up in the slot, and this kid's going to light it up. Uh, The Eagles are going to surprise a lot of people in that NFC East. I think you're looking at a team that is going to pass Washington, going to pass Dallas, and be right there, parked right behind the Giants when this season's over. They are they are a cornerback. They are a cornerback or two away from having one badass team, and I hate to say that. I know you do, but you're being honest as you usually are with this stuff, and I, I think you're spot on with what you have to say. And people in fantasy, keep don't think of Torrey Smith that you saw in San Francisco. That team was was an absolute just disgrace. Think of the Torrey Smith that you saw in Baltimore, the guy that can get deep. Speedster. The guy gets deep, but he also can run routes. He wasn't really given an opportunity to do so, but a guy that coming out of college was one of the better route runners in his draft. So uh, I think uh, Doug Peterson 
and his staff are going to find the best way to use this kid. He can be a sneaky grab in your in your in your dynasty leagues or in regular seasonal format. I tell you, pretty much the uh, the the Eagle offense is an interesting offense to own uh, moving forward because uh, again. I can see Jordan Matthews being the go-to slot, true go-to slot guy. Torrey Smith lighting him up deep. Remember one thing about Alshon Jeffrey, folks, okay? This is a big guy. He is 6'3". That, that is another target for him in the end zone. Same with uh, Zach Ertz, Brent. Um, you know, the names just keep coming up. Then you've got the guy who compounded it in Garrett Blunt, you know, and you've got Darren Sproles. And, you know, I mean, really, this is an offense that you've got to watch because it is uh-huh. friggin' loaded. You know, when you and talk Justin. about your slot guy, normally, and just I'm going to make this point real quick, JT, normally your slot guys are these little guys, you know, you right. think of the, you, you, you think of the uh, Edelman's and, and all that, Wes Welkers. Jordan Matthews in lining Huge. up in the slot, 6'3", folks. In the slot. Body. So you he got 6'3 in the slot, 6'1 on one side, 6'3 on the other side, 6'5 at the tight end. Now, all of a sudden, are we playing basketball? Because I'll tell you, he's just loading them up with red zone targets. Oh, I, I agree with you completely. And I am going to throw a sleeper out there for you. I came tonight prepared to throw you a few sleepers. And there's a guy sure. in Dynasty formats on this team in Donnell Pumphrey, a running back out of San Diego oh, State, broke all, broke all of Marshall Falk's records at San Diego State that they have in there, that they're grooming. This kid is going to be an absolutely phenomenal running back when he gets his opportunity, and they're going to bring him along a little slow this year, but dynasty formats don't sleep on this kid. Sorry, right. I had to get that I, have, I just took a picture, and – I am going to share it on Instagram right now. And it's on there right now. I wrote down on a post-it today a little note for myself to put with. Uh, I'm going to tag this as screw JT. You'll see it. If you're on my Instagram, my personal Instagram, I have screw JT in a picture with this. And the one name that's on there, I only scribbled one name because uh, it was a name that I had researched today, and I wanted to make sure I put it with my notes, is one Mr. Pumphrey. Hmm. When you asked for sleeper earlier, I'm looking right at that post-it going, don't say it, don't say it. (laughs) And who says it? Naturally. Sorry. Sorry. Well, hey, listen, folks, what does that tell you, though? What does that tell you when you have two players? And, again, remember one thing. JT and I, we talk about what we know and this, that, the other, and you should listen to it. There's a reason why. You look at our winning percentages and our record throughout the years in fantasy, there's a reason why. And it's because we will throw out names like a Pumphrey to you when watch. Matthew Berry won't talk about Pumphrey until at least week five or six. Exactly. 
it is it is funny to watch. If you're new to the Fantasy Justice Show and FantasyJusticeSports.com, you're going to watch this football season and see exactly what we're talking about, how far back Barry is from us. And speaking of FantasyJusticeSports.com, who the Fantasy Justice Show is brought to you by, it's also brought to you by Blog Talk Radio. That puts the funny sound out you being able to hear. And a bunch of other things, too, each and every week. Also brought to you by BreadFromYourBed.com. That's right, BreadFromYourBed.com, your personal finance blog, and more. That's right, do you have a, a business or a, a, an idea that you like to get out there? Or maybe you don't know much about the web, websites or social media or anything. Joey and the gang will take care of all of that for you on breadfromyourbed.com. Now, that's not all they do. You go to that website, and there are all different ways for you to make money from home. Money from the website, money from home. Who couldn't use a little extra cash? Breadfromyourbed.com. Also, we're brought to you by... Deep Obsession Charters, West Palm Beach, and Ryan Walton. And the Ryan Walton experience. Folks, I'll tell you, you know, there is one place to go if you're going diving in Florida, and that is West Palm Beach. It is the hotbed. And I'll tell you, we're going to talk a little bit about what's been going on because all of a sudden, the jester's doing stuff that jester said he'd never do, and it's all thanks to Ryan Walton and the gang Putting the challenge to me, you know, great sponsors, and I love it. All of a sudden, when your sponsor challenges you, what do you do? <laughs> you have to say yes. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Also brought to you by the Land Metal Craft for all your custom metal needs in Volusia County. And nationally, 84 Lumber. You go to the big box stores. Go ahead. Go check out Lowe's. Go check out Home Depot. Then go to 84 Lumber for all your building needs. Tell them the Jester sent you, and they'll take care of you like your family. Fantastic people, 84 Lumber. Folks, let's bring JT back. Let's bring trouble back in. Wasn't it nice, though? Wasn't it? It was quiet. It was nice. I could get that all out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now the silence is over. Yeah, and we start the now. baseball segment. Let's get into some baseball now. Let's switch some gears. Show talk some baseball. We've got the trade deadline going on and so much. Uh and, and I the first thing I have to get out there because again, like I had mentioned at the start of this show, it affects your team, it affects my mm. team. Right. Sonny Gray was pulled from the start among trade Speculation. You know, and I, I got to say this. It is this, really this is starting to line up. What? Because it's pissing me. This is my rant. This is what pisses me off. Article that I put up on Fantasy Jester Sports a couple weeks ago about the A's, mm-hmm. basically. This is Exhibit A. Okay, Sonny Gray is 27 years old. He will not be a free agent until after the 2019 season. Okay, a guy that was third in the AL Cy Young voting in 2015. 2016, he was hurt. This year, in his last 
six starts, which covers almost 40 innings. He's 4-2 and two with a 137 ERA and 36 punch-outs. He's holding opposing batters to a line of 164, 215, and 271, which is ridiculous. So, what are we going to do? We're going to trade him to the Yankees. Why not? Let's trade him to, to anybody. We don't want to keep a player like that because we may have to pay him in a couple of years. But uh, the only thing I can hope for is that Clint Frazier is included in that group that we come back for him from your Yankees. Probably will be. You're, I mean, they're going to get a nice, they're going to get a nice little package from the Yankees for him. Oh yeah. That's why I'm surprised that the Yankees are doing that. If that's the route, I've been calling for it, and I've been saying this, and, and I, I'd rather I, I I don't know. I, I don't get me wrong. I would love Sonny Gray. Absolutely, duh, duh. I want Sonny mm-hmm. Gray. Of course I do. If I'm a Yankee, I don't want it at the expense of. Anything more than two prospects. I don't want to empty out the farm on this. Now, I know you don't. Especially when you can go out and get a rental like Darvish, who put out his list. Of, he did, Listen, folks, if you don't know, you <laughs> Darvish put out his list of ten teams that he will not agree to a trade to, and the Yankees are not on that list. I was shocked. I'm sorry? For one of them. I was shocked that the A's were on that list. I mean, I couldn't. Why would you not want to come play in a ballpark like Oakland Alameda Coliseum with feces in the dugout? Come on, you. You're missing out on a party, buddy. Um, it's a, it's, no, but it's an eclectic group. I can't understand, folks. Uh, here is you, Darvish's 10 teams because they don't make any sense. There's no rhyme or reason. I don't know what the thread is through this. Okay. But here are his 10 teams. Baltimore, Boston, Chicago Cubs, Cleveland Indians, Colorado Rockies. So far, he doesn't want to win. Uh, Chicago White Sox, okay. <laughs> Detroit, Oakland, Pittsburgh, Toronto. A lot of those teams are, are playoff caliber teams. Now, I got something for you here, Jester. I thought about this. thought about this real good. Maybe this list was made five, six years ago when he signed with the Rangers and you look at those teams and you're talking a different story. Yeah. That list was probably something that was developed when he originally signed out of the Orient with the dot, with the, with the Rangers. And if you look back, what five, was it five, six years ago, you know, Detroit was terrible. Boston was terrible. Baltimore was terrible. You know, I mean, the Cubs were terrible. Pittsburgh was decent, you know, so yeah, that's the only thing I can come up with because, like you just said, if this guy wants to win, why the hell are those teams on that list? Uh, yeah, uh, maybe. Maybe. I have no idea. But, no, I mean, I prefer a rental than clearing out the – but, you know, again, if you're clearing out – if okay, if it's one middle fielder, and it's one outfielder that I could that I could stand that mm-hmm. I could that I could do. See, because we're I mean, uh, nobody's going to take Ellsbury's contract. We're going to have to if Ellsbury goes anywhere, okay, we're going to have to eat a good portion of the contract. And nobody's really taking Ellsbury at this point. So yeah, you've got Hicks and maybe one of the middle infielder prospects, or you've got a Frazier. 
and one of the middle infield prospects. I, I don't I, or or maybe a Frazier and a and a Bird because you're going to pick up a first baseman somewhere else uh, next year. I don't know. I don't know. From what I'm seeing, uh, you look at Sonny Gray's 27 with a lot of control left. He's by far the yeah. most attractive option on the market. He's going to set the market. You know, when you're looking at Justin Verlander, who's 34 years old and makes a ton of money, who's not having a good season. You Darvish just got pounded for 10 earned runs the other night. He's 6-9 with a 401 ERA, uh, 720 ERA in five starts this past month. So Yeah, you know, with him. Well, he knows you know why? You know why, what his problem is? Oh, you tip a pitch. All right. <laughs> Honorable young pitcher, you tip a pitch. I know exactly what you throw. Seriously. That is the God's honest truth. It it probably is, but we're talking about Texas. I've been waiting all week to talk to you about this. I've got to get this in real quick. The greatest ejection in the history of baseball with Adrian Beltre the other night, because I laughed for about an hour when I saw it. Oh, yes. Go ahead. Tell everybody. It's just in case you missed it, so, folks. Go ahead. So, uh, you know, I go to a lot of Ranger games. I'm at that stadium a lot. And I've mentioned to some of the people I've been there with, man, Beltre sure does stand almost directly behind the umpire, okay? If you watch a Rangers game, he stands almost behind the umpire when he's in the batter's box. And he got called out for it the other night. Umpire told him, you're too far out of the batter circle. You can't stand there. So he goes over and picks up the batter circle and moves it over to the spot where he was. And as Brilliant. He, the, the, it was amazing. And the umpire turns around and tosses him, and he then has the nerve to look surprised when they did it. It was amazing. Funniest thing I've ever seen in my life, YouTube it. It is. It, it was something that when I showed Mrs. Jester, she just looked at me and goes, the only reason why you're laughing is because that'd be some shit you do. Damn right. And she was correct. I would have moved the circle. Oh, all right. I can't stand. <laughs> I got to stand by the circle. All right. I'll just move the circle. Piece of cake. <laughs> I don't know why everybody else doesn't do it. <laughs> oh God. So, it was so a great one. I did like it though. I did like it. Uh, you know, and a lot of people don't realize Beltrang. You know, two hits away from three thousand. Uh, should have it this weekend, but people don't realize. Yeah. I, I've been to a, men, a bunch of Rangers games at that stadium. That guy and Elvis Andrews are two of the funniest people to watch because Andrews is like a little brother with him, always tries to steal his hat or always doing something to him to piss him off, and it's so much fun to watch. One of the players that uh, I've enjoyed a lot of his career, Adrian Beltre, love him. That just added to it. Uh, I gotta ask you. I gotta ask you. As much as it kills me, and I just want to touch on the Yankees, and then we'll get on to other parts of the baseball world. If the Yankees get Gray, is that enough? I don't think it is. I really don't. Um, they've got a they've got a great offense. But their defense scares me. I mean, I watched some of the plays they're making in the field the other night. I just don't think they have the defensive prowess that they need. The bullpen is nice. Robertson had, what, one hiccup, but pretty solid otherwise. 
um, their starting pitching, something you said at the beginning of the year, would be their bugaboo as the season goes on. And you watch CC the other night. He's starting to look overweight and underperformed yet again. Um, Tanaka looked amazing last night, but then he can go out the next start. You got a guy, what was it, one earned in eight innings, 14 Ks, and his ERA is still over five. So that tells you the kind of season he's having. Uh, I just don't think they have enough. I think, see, one of the things that, you know, I've always said, uh, I called it pretty honestly about my teams, and I've always said it about the Yankees, and I said it at the beginning of the year, is the pitching problem. And this year, and now if they pick up Gray, no, I feel I feel completely different about my team. And while I would just say, yeah, they they make it to the World Series, I say that they they're one of the last two teams standing. I I say that definitely. I can see them if they pick up Gray because you go ahead, you take a Tanaki, then you follow him up with Gray, then mm-hmm. you follow him up with Severino, who looks like mm-hmm. he's coming of age. Mm-hmm. He's finally pitching to be the prospect that they thought he he, he could be, mm-hmm. and then you put it with that bullpen. I watched it today with the Rays game. I watched it today with the Rays game. They started at that pen. They called in Batanzas. They had him warming up in the fifth inning. They're, they're, with that pen, Joe Girardi now feels get me to the fifth inning. That's a dangerous team. If you only have to worry about the first five innings, now, again, it was a back-and-forth game. The Yankees eventually won again, but they're winning those close games. Now you Mm -hmm. throw in a sunny gray to the mix, and they're able to go ahead and they've got a pen. If you can go out and get Tanaka, uh, who's going to go out and give you six, sometimes seven innings, a gray seven innings, and a Severino six innings, now you're talking about a pen that is deep, not getting a lot of work either. No, in a not. short series, in a short series, short series that becomes fine. anybody's short, game. Short series, fine, but I think you run into uh, what friend of the program Jim Rosenhaus saw with his Indians last year as the as the playoffs went on. The starters in that pen got tired. Andrew Miller's a freak of nature. But even he started showing some some wear and tear as it went along. Uh, I think in the postseason, that's too many high leverage situations to just keep depending on that pen. Now, had you guys done what the Mariners did and gone out and got like a David Phelps, one of those guys that can go out there and throw two or three innings, uh, yeah, a few nights a week, you know, two three nights a week, somebody like that to be a bridge so your bullpen isn't getting that much work. I can see it, but I just I think you're two starters away, not one. Now, do you need two Sunny Grays? It'd be great to have, but no, I'd like to see you guys go out and get another third or fourth starter, uh, someone like a Jose Quintana type of pitcher. We'll see. We'll see. I, I think you guys make the playoffs, but I don't think you go far. I think yeah, I think in this I, I think the way that Major League Baseball set up. Right now, if you've got three deep uh, at your starting pitcher, you're, you're good in a series. You're good to go. My question, though, is this. Now with Kershaw, what kind of move can you expect? I I, I think that's where Verlander ends up. Uh, do you agree with that's that? I, I mean, that's a team up. that has the money for, to pick up the Verlander contract, 
and there's a team that could win that Verlander would want to go to. I think that's where you Darvish ends up, actually, is, is out in the Dodgers. That's where I see you going. I think that's the team that is willing to I'm not to going anywhere. <laughs> I know you're not, but I think Darvish is. Him and his tipping and oh, pitching. Oh, okay. You said uh, you. Yeah. Right, correct. You. Why you, not why oh, you. Um, oh. But I think Verlander, when it's all said and done, I don't think he ends up going anywhere. Really? You Have you seen what really? they're asking for for this guy? I mean, they're asking for Wait. they're asking for him like he's a 26-year-old ace. You're talking about a 34-year-old pitcher whose ERA is almost right around, hovering around five. Hmm. I mean, this isn't the this you know this isn't the the Verlander of seven years ago or even the Verlander of last year for that matter. He's looked terrible this whole season. Um, does somebody does somebody finally get him? Maybe. Uh, but Detroit's really asking for a lot for this guy, and I've heard several teams. I mean, they were trying to get Brinson and Suter from the Brewers for him. Is what they're asking. Wow. Was. Yeah. Good luck. Wow. Good, good luck on that. Um, that's I mean, that's crazy. Br- Brinson by himself to me would be crazy. Let alone their best young pitcher in the organization, Suter, who looked amazing again last night. Um, yeah. Good luck with that, Detroit. I think the Rangers know that they can get you Darvish back, kind of like what the Yankees did with Chapman. So I think they're going to be a little bit quicker to let go of him, uh, get a few nice prospects in return, and take a chance to try to re-sign him in the offseason. So that's, that's where I think Darvish ends up is with the Dodgers. Interesting turn of events for, you know, you mentioned Cleveland and a friend of the show, Jim Rosenhaus. Uh, very interesting turn of events. The last, these first two starts for Danny Salazar. Now, if Salazar becomes much like uh, Severino comes of age, does Salazar come of age and become that third guy that they need behind Kluber and Carrasco? If that happens, what about Cleveland now? Now, all of a sudden, Cleveland steps back up as one of the dominant teams. And if I remember correctly, Mm-hmm. When Jim was on the show, they were what? Three games uh, over five hundred. Yeah. And I said that they would add ten onto that. Yes, you did. Well, right now they've added eight onto that because they are eleven games over five hundred and are still surging. They are eight and two in their last ten and continue to surge since he was on the show. I'm not mm-hmm. saying, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Mm. Now, wait a minute. I'm going to say something here. I think you forgot something, though, okay? I think Salazar becomes your fourth man. Look at Mike Clevenger's statistics and tell me. Clevenger's been the yeah, yeah. team. So, mm-hmm. you look at Clevenger, Kluber, Carrasco, Salazar, and you look at Cody Allen, Andrew Miller, some of the uh, bullpen guys that they have. You look at a rookie, Zimmer, that's absolutely lights out right now for them with the bat and defensively. They got a nice young team. A lot of their mm-hmm. guys are in a Carnacion. We're seeing a lot of that parrot lately. That guy's been circling the bases a lot the last three, four weeks. So Cleveland's a dangerous team. Cleveland's a dangerous team. And you know, 
I hate to tell Mr. Rosenhaus, but I'm going to find a way, okay? And all of this has gone on, and right now Mr. Kipnis is on the DL list. We are not on the DL list. They surge. We're there. Kipnis isn't. If he's still ahead of (laughs) us by the end of this year, there's going to be hell to pay. I'm going to tell you right now. (laughs) Had enough. Being disrespected. Well, speaking of disrespect, speaking of disrespect, let's let's get I'll sit out next year, Rosenhaus. <laughs> Let's go to your favorite team, the Boston Red Sox. What do you make of the whole sure. uh, David Price, Dennis Eckersley uh, flare-up? Come on, girls, stop it. That's really what I think about. You know, I love. I, I, I love think Eckersley. about it. it's stupid. Go ahead. What were you saying? Uh, I love Dennis Eckersley. You talk about the, the fantasy jester of. of TV announcers. I mean, the guy that doesn't care who he pisses off, whose feelings he hurts. I uh, right. call it how it is. Whether whether you like it or not, this is how it is. I'm gonna say. And uh, then you got David Price, who got all bent out of shape about it. And uh, you know, I enjoyed Dustin Pedroia's take on it last night as he stepped up in front of the media in the locker room, said, "You want a leader? You're looking at him. No one else is standing up. I will." I'll be the leader. I'll be the guy to answer the questions. And then I'm going to lead my yeah. team on the field during the game. I know you hate the Sox, but you've got to love Dustin Pedroia. Oh, yeah, no, I love him. He's he's one of those guys that transcends the rivalry that you can give, uh, like, a big poppy, okay? You just got to give okay. respect to uh, for their yeah, work yeah. ethic and everything else. Uh, you know, another guy who I used to really like because of his work ethic uh, – Better than average talent was uh, Varitek. I always oh, thought Jason he was Varitek, a good, yeah. hard worker. Yeah. So same with Pedroia. I love him because there's a, t- a guy who's diminutive in size, okay, but his heart is the size of Aaron Judge, okay? I mean, he just goes all out. You got to like Pedroia, and you got to like a guy willing to step up and say that. You know, and yeah, no, mm-hmm. listen, if you're looking for a leader, guess what? I'm the guy, okay, and I'll be more than glad to speak for everybody. And what he said was pretty good. We're talking about something that happened a month ago, folks. Can we move on? Right, exactly. Drop it. And and here, you know, for those of you who missed it, okay, what happened was is Price and Eck got into it because uh, Eckersley said something about Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, one of his uh, minor uh, league rehab starts, okay, uh, he, 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 you know, belittled it. And uh, that was part of the problem. And the other part was is that uh, Price feels that he has uh, no contact with the team. The other broadcasters spend more time around the team and have a better feel for the team and get to know the guys. And Eckersley just pops in whenever he feels like, and really doesn't have that interaction like all the other uh, media people that cover the Sox. So he mm-hmm. feels that while he's being outrageous, you're being out. It's one thing to be outrageous; it's another to be out of touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it has been. It's been an interesting situation. But I like what Pedroia said. 
a month ago. Yeah. I love Pedroia. Uh, that's a, that's a believe- future manager. They were talking, uh, uh, Lauren Shahadi and all that was talking on MLB Network the other day when it first came down that uh, Price was going to be put on the DL, missed that start and everything else, and Shahadi and the gang there started talking about how uh, is this suspect? Is this so that he didn't have to go in front of the Boston crowd? It just seems funny that... They are on a uh, 10-game homestand, and he goes on the 10-day DL, so he misses the two starts that would be home, and his next start is on their long road trip that they have after. Oh, it, it definitely So that it gives like it further price. time away. Hmm? You know, it, it sounds like a price move. I want to get this in there, because I see it on time here, but we were talking about the Dodgers a little bit, and I brought a sleeper yeah. with me for the fantasy players on this as well. Um, if okay. Darvish ends up going to the Dodgers, either this player could get traded back, in which if that's the case, I expect he'll be Carlos Gomez's replacement, uh, or he could end up being a piece like a Peterson, something else moved in a trade, and he comes up for the Dodgers. This kid named Alex Verdugo He's playing at a AAA Oklahoma City. He's got a three twenty eight batting average. 31 Ks to 35 walks for this guy. That's disgusting. Advanced hit tool. He's a 10 to 15 home run a year kind of guy, but he's a he's a plus plus hitter. We're talking a guy that can bat 325, 330, and steal some bases. So Alex Verdugo is a guy that uh, I did see get a very uh, strange late scratch, healthy scratch from the game this weekend, which could signify that he may be moving. So uh, keep your eyes on that kid. I've heard either him. Yeah. It's uh, I've heard that depending on the team, it's been him and the other prospects for uh, the Dodgers, that kid uh, Calhoun. Now mm-hmm. Calhoun's a beast, the second baseman. And again, somebody to keep an eye on, especially if uh, you're in a dynasty league. He, he's a guy that goes ahead. And he's hitting 300. He's got 22 homers, 65 RBIs from the second base position. Mm-hmm. It is he's a, he's a beast with a bat at second base, and you don't normally see a lot of the homers come out of the second base position. So that's somebody right. to keep an eye on, even if uh, the trade doesn't happen. Right, exactly, and. Uh, both of these guys are, are the reason why I think the Dodgers can pretty much get whichever one of the pitchers they want because they do still have the prospects without even giving up a Julio Urias. Uh, and all, I know he's hurt right. on the shelf, but they don't have to mention him. They've got the other prospects that these teams could use. You know, I mentioned Oakland, for example, Sonny Gray. Center field, second base are two big needs in Oakland. You know, maybe they go out for Sonny Gray and they, they, they toss a couple guys like this around. So, definitely two great names to watch. I love, I love Calhoun uh, and Verdugo. Love both players. One of the things that I've noticed, it's funny. You know, we, you talk about the powerhouses, the money teams in the league doing okay. You know, picking up who Sonny Gray might go to. Will it be L.A. Dodgers? Will it be the New York Yankees and all this? Mm-hmm. But let's be honest. Let's take a look at something that's been going on that most people wouldn't believe. You know, 
as Oakland, a small market team, is going ahead and crying and making excuses, and I'm sorry, JT, but that's, that, what that's basically what they're doing is saying, we're a small market team, we can't do anything. You've got some team like the Tampa Bay Rays <laughs> battling it out for a wild card position, making moves this week left and right. Every time you turn around, each day this week, they were going ahead and making another move to make their team better. A small market team. Have you seen a small market team go out? They spent $8.5 million to bolster their roster. And so far, they, they've outmaneuvered all the other teams. They've spent more money than any other team so far coming down to the end of the uh, free well, agent, and, and, uh, coming down to the uh, trade deadline. Oh, it's a great point. And you look, you know, Sergio Romo, Dan Jennings, Lucas Duda, all three players that they've picked up in the last couple of days that are back into the bullpen, uh, middle relief guy, and a first baseman. And I think Duda homered yesterday, or was either yesterday or today, he homered one of the bats already in Tampa. So, yeah, so you're looking at a guy that can play left field, first base, has nice pop, 25 to 30 home run potential, uh, 250 to 265 probably on his batting average, plays a nice solid defense. Look at like you just said, small market team basically giving the finger to the rest of the small market team saying we're not gonna sit here and cry in our milk and make excuses. We're gonna actually go out there and try to win. So uh now if they can just get an actual baseball stadium, um, you know, I think you got a team that could have a bright future. What's uh what was funny is uh actually uh due to today <laughs> He's been a fantastic pickup so far. And he, he's, it's funny because uh, I caught some flack once he was picked up for dropping Logan Morrison. Now, Logan Morrison has been playing out, lights out, lights out. And I felt that I had already targeted him, somebody to watch to have a nice fall off here in the second half because uh, he's just playing that far over his head. Mm-hmm. Now yeah, they go out. ahead and they pick up a Duda who is the same thing as Logan Morrison. He's a first baseman, DH, left-handed bat, power bat. Why? And sure enough, what happens, now Morrison has a heel problem. He's injured. <laughs> Judah steps in. Judah today. Two walks, a home, another home run, he had a single for an RBI, so two RBIs because the homer was a, a solo shot. Goes steps into that and, and is already producing. Great move by the Rays. But, again, a, one of those small market teams doing what they have to. And it's funny because you see another small market team like Milwaukee just sitting on Bye. their hands. You know, they added Steve Ciszek today as well. Forgot to add that. Let me ask you, though, New York team, the Mets. I saw yeah. A.J. Ramos pitch. I saw Ramos pitch in person the other night. Absolutely. Okay. I could not be more unimpressed with a closing pitcher in his almost four ERA than I was. The Mets gave up uh, Miranda Gonzalez and Ricardo Suspedes, two of their better prospects mm-hmm. in the organization, for A.J. Ramos? Marlins pulled a fast one on them. And I don't see what the hurry was because it's not like the Mets are doing anything this year anyway. 
Anyway. I, I understand that Familia is slowed in this process uh, of coming back, okay, and they're not going to get him back as soon as they thought. Reed is serviceable. But it doesn't matter for this year, does it? No. I, I, don't get, I just don't get the move at all. At all. There was no hurry was to get a like, closer. It was almost like the Yankees made a couple moves. We don't want them to outdo us, so we better do something so our fans don't feel like we're sitting on our sitting on our hands, so to speak. A uh, move for the sake of saying that we made a move. Uh, you know, that's probably that is probably just about nailing it on the head, JT. It really is. You know, um, and, folks, as we get closer here, we got a minute uh, thirty left. As uh, some of you have been wondering, sharks, where are we at with this? Ryan Walton Challenge. I was just down in West Palm Beach this past week, went out with Ryan, went out with Mrs. Jester for my test dives and all this stuff so that I could maneuver. Can I do this? Can I, you know, keep myself protected, safe, alert? Can I put, how, is, how do I use my fins, my hand? All this stuff, okay? And uh, to much to Mr. Walton's surprise, I didn't sink like a rock, and I actually had some ability in the water. What Mr. Walton didn't know is I used to swim a lot as a young man. So uh, we'll be going ahead talking to him next week because we're going to be setting up now. As we get closer to the shark dive, for sure, we'll be having him on. We are setting that up for two weeks. I am ready to go. I have passed my test, and, folks, you have been listening to the Fantasy Jester Show, brought to you by FantasyJesterSports.com. As always, it's been our pleasure. For JT, Jason Townsend, and the gang here, I am the Jester. I'm out. Thanks for joining us. Have a great night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.